0: I love what Proverbs says in Proverbs 12, 25, where Solomon says, worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word cheers a person up. Isn't that true? If we're worried about something, we're weighed down with that. It affects everything that we do. But when someone encourages you, if someone gives you a message of good news, it lifts you up. A couple weeks ago, I was teaching at the 9 a.m. service, just like I am now, And the content of the message was great because it's the Bible. But I'm standing up here, and you don't know it, but I'm standing up here, and I'm literally thinking to myself, I can't wait till this is over. (laughs) I was not doing the greatest job, at least in my mind. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what am I even saying? They have probably no idea what I'm saying. And so I got off stage, and I was super discouraged. And I'm walking to uh, our volunteer central out there, and my wife is there with our kids, and we're getting ready to hold up the signs to greet people as they come in the doors. Well, I am walking outside with my wife, and Paula says, hey, how did this morning go? And I said, I never want to teach the Bible ever again. (laughs) It was the worst message I've ever given, and I'm just going on and on and on. And she's like, Eric, you know, she's trying to be a great wife. Eric, it wasn't that bad. I said, Oh, it was bad. It was really, really bad. I'm like, can you please go teach a 1030 service? I don't want to go up there anymore. It was that bad. And so I'm walking. Literally, we, we, I say that to her, and we stand right by the road as people are coming. And as I said the last thing to her, someone rolls down their window, and they're driving by, and they literally yell out the window, greatest sermon you've ever given, Eric. <laughs> and I said, Paula, he's deaf. He can't hear because it was that bad. But truly, I'm not like just saying this. Like I felt that bad, and yet when that guy said that to me, I didn't know who it was. I didn't even see who it was. When he said that to me, literally, it lifted me up. I was able to then get through the 1030 service. But it's when you receive some kind of news like that, or when someone encourages you, it helps you keep moving forward. The word encourage literally means to give someone courage. I know for you, maybe it's possibly you're going to the doctor and you're waiting to get the results of a test or a biopsy and you're just waiting for the doctor to say something bad because that's usually what happens. The doctor looks at you and says, you're cancer free. I mean, what an encouraging message to receive. Or, or you apply for a job and you know you're qualified for it but then you heard all of these other people are going for that job and you get a phone call and you hear from your, the, your new boss that you just got the job or maybe you're having a terrible day and you feel like nobody cares, God doesn't care, family and friends don't care. All of a sudden your phone rings and your text comes in and you see that it's from your friend that says, "Hey, just praying for you. Hope you have a great day. Care about you." It's those kinds of things that can change the way we think, the way we feel, the way we look at life. Well, we're finishing up our series in our Advent series called Just in Time, looking at Paul's words to the Galatians in Galatians 4. And we've been seeing that just at the right time, just like Sonia and our team sang about, just at the right time, Jesus came. And Jesus was the right person because he was fully God and he was fully man and he could do for us what we needed God to do on our behalf. But now we look at the right message, this encouraging message, this message of good news, that when we receive it, it changes everything about our outlook on life and it changes everything about ourselves. So open your Bibles again to Galatians 4, 4 through 7. We're going to be in the last couple of verses today, but I want to read the whole passage to you. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of his son into our hearts prompting us to call out abba father now you are no longer a slave but god's own child and since you are his child god has made you his heir what a encouraging message to receive from paul and as we look at this message today what is it that helps us get through this life what is it that promises us eternal life what is it that changes everything for us What's well, a message that starts with three F so you can remember it right out of the text? Freedom, family, and fortune. First, freedom. Again, the Apostle Paul says God sent him, Jesus, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Tradition says that Paul was probably short, bow legged, and bald. Now, if you are a bald man in this room, I am not judging you. I, too, am going bald. I am doing whatever I can to hold on to this little hair that I have. But I don't know for Paul if it was hereditary or not, but I have a feeling that it was because he was pulling out his hair at the news that the Galatians went backwards in their faith. See, Paul comes on the scene to these Galatian churches and says, Look, for your entire life, you have thought to have a relationship with God, you had to be a good person. You had to follow all the rules, and you had to follow the law to a T. But the greatest thing, the greatest news that you can receive is that Jesus came into this earth. He followed the law perfectly, and now, if you want a relationship with God, all you have to do It's trust in the one that has been promised to you from years ago. This Messiah is here. It's Jesus. He wants a relationship with you. And all you have to do is put your faith in him. Well, the Galatians, they got it. They realized, wow, look what Jesus has done for me. And then Paul, he goes away. And over time, the Galatians go back to the law. They enslave themselves to the law again. How could they do this? Well, this group of Judaizers comes along, and these Judaizers were Christian. They knew Jesus, believed in Jesus, but they also were still Jewish, meaning they still followed the law. And so they went to the Galatian church and said, look, yeah, we need Jesus. But if you really want to be right with God, like really, really, really be right with God, you also need to still follow the law. And Paul is pulling out his hair. You don't need to do this anymore. Now, I think some of us here may fall into that and not even know it. If I were to ask you, do you believe in Jesus? You would say, yes, but there's still this underlying uh, desire in us to do the right thing all the time. Not because that's just what we want to do, but it's we need to do. We need to do this in order that God would have a relationship with us. I know what Jesus has done, but I still need to follow the rules, still be a good person, still follow the law. If I had to sum up the law, we can look at the Ten Commandments. Some of us know what the Ten Commandments are. I'm not going to quiz you on all of them because you probably don't know all of them. But if we looked at those, should we follow those? The answer is yes. The law is good. The law helps us Maintain a relationship with God. It's good to live this way, but do we need to follow it in order to have a relationship with Jesus? the answer is no. Because even though the law is very good, it points out our insufficiency. We can't follow the law. You go through the Ten Commandments, you start to check off all the ones that you have broken in your life and will continue to break. Because the law is not meant to save you. The law is not meant to give you that relationship with God. When you follow the law, it then has in common with all the other religions of the world. And you know what they say? Do. Do this. Do that. And if you do this or that, hopefully when you get to heaven someday, the God that you have worshipped, that you've tried to impress the whole time will be there, and he will bring out the ledger and try to tell you, did you tip the scales in your favor? All religions pretty much say that just in different ways. And for a long time, those in the Galatian church thought the same thing. And if we're honest, sometimes we feel the same way. Even though I know what Jesus did for me, I have to continue to do and do and do so that he is impressed with me, so he loves me, so that I can have a relationship with him. But that's not what Jesus came to do. That's why Paul says, God sent Jesus... To buy your freedom, a slave or a servant back then, if they wanted to be free, just couldn't declare their freedom. Somebody had to pay so that those slaves or servants could go on to be free. And that's what Jesus has done for us. That do mentality may be in other religions, and it may even be what you have believed, but that's not what Jesus has come to do Jesus replaces that word "due" with done. That's why when on the cross, Jesus says, it is finished. The payment of sin, it is finished. Having to follow the law to have a relationship with God, it is finished. Having to be a good person, it is finished. Jesus has done everything for us on the cross. He came to buy our freedom because we could never have freedom on our own. You and I are free Today, because of Jesus, do you believe that? Are you enslaved back into this system of trying to be a good person or have good works done in order for you to earn that favor with God? No, 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 God has given you his favor on the cross. You can rest in that. You are free, free to love him, free to love other people because what he's done on the cross. It's a message of freedom, but there's also an invite to his family, The rest of verse 5, God sent Jesus to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. I remember I was talking uh, to a family, and I've known this family for such a long time. This family, they have two kids. And for my entire life, I always thought those two kids were just their two kids. I never thought differently. And then one time I was actually talking to somebody else and they mentioned the daughter was adopted. And I thought to myself, there is no way that's possible. First of all, they never treated her differently. And second of all, I had told the mom over and over again, oh my goodness, your daughter looks just like you. <laughs> and if you looked at them, they kind of resemble each other. Now that I look at them, I'm like, okay, there is a difference now. But what was so beautiful is that the mom never said, Well, Eric, she couldn't look like me because she's adopted. Our son looks like us, but not our daughter. Never once. I never knew it until someone else mentioned it. And what also blew me away was this family bent over backwards for their daughter as she got a little bit older. There were some patterns of her life, just like a lot of people end up in their 20s trying to figure things out, and they did anything and everything to help her relationally, financially, gave their time to their daughter to help set her on the right path. What blew me away was in that very moment, maybe I thought to myself, well, they probably could just give up on her. I mean, it's not really their daughter, right? No. If I would have never known she was adopted, I would have... Never known by the way they treated her just the same as the son. Back then in Roman culture, if someone was wealthy, they literally could adopt a slave or servant as their own son. Oftentimes, someone wealthy would do that because if they didn't have a son, they couldn't continue on in their lineage. So they would adopt somebody in order to give them financial and legal responsibilities to be their child. And what's so beautiful about that is when they adopted them as a son, though they were a slave, they were a slave no more. Now they received the title of this wealthy person's son and received everything as a result of that. That's exactly what God does with us. God adopts us. And calls us sons and daughters as if we were born in his family originally. Everything that comes with that is now given to us because we are adopted into his family. There is no difference amongst all other people as if we weren't born in that family or if we were. God brings us in through Jesus and gives us everything because of him. So not only are we free free from trying to do things for God. No, not only has he done it for us, he welcomes us in to his family and now we belong with him. I love how Max Licato puts it. God sought you, found you, signed the papers, and took you home. That's what Jesus has done for us. Talk about a message of joy as we celebrate joy this Advent season. That he sought you out did all the paperwork to bring you home, and now you are his. I don't know if you remember many, many years ago, there were oftentimes infomercials on TV, and this guy right here, Billy Mays, he was selling everything. I was so impressed by, they would bring in like OxyClean or these other products, and they would tell you what they would do, and I am like sitting there reaching for my wallet. I'm like, man, I need to buy this thing. And I'm like, nah, I don't need another thing because I'm the kind of guy that buys things. I promise my wife I'm going to use them. I use them one time, and then it goes into a drawer. So I'm like, nah, I don't need to buy this. And then when you think it's all over, he goes, but wait, there's more. And then that's when I just get my wall. I'm like, just take my money. (laughs) But wait, there's more. You think that's good? Let me show you how this thing will cut a potato when you're upside down as if you're in space. Like, it's that great. (laughs) I think if the Apostle Paul were here today, he would tell you that he's bought your freedom. He would tell you that you're a child of God. And then you'd say, but wait, there's more. If you think that's enough, there's more. What God has done for us in Jesus. We read this. It says, because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. This word sent, you'll see it twice, sent. Jesus into the world to buy our freedom, to bring us into the family of God. He sent the Spirit of the Son into our hearts. The Holy Spirit opens our eyes to our need for a Savior. The Holy Spirit shows us the way to Jesus. The Holy Spirit then not only does those things, He reminds us that we are his. His presence is with us all of the time. You cannot lose God's presence. It says we are sealed in his presence by the Holy Spirit. And then it talks about this kind of language, this prayer language that we get with the Father because of the Spirit. That word call out is a prayer language, a conversation language that we can call out to the Father with. This past Monday, my best friend and I, We took three of our four boys on a spiritual journey. We went to WWE Raw in Cleveland. Very spiritual, teaching our kids, you know, the good things in life. And as we're driving there, we're in the front, and we're excited because we get to catch up and talk about life and Jesus and challenges and all those things. And our three boys are in the back. They're playing games. They're having a good old time. And as we're driving there, we kept hearing this word repeated over and over and over again. Dad, 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 are we almost there? No, we just left five minutes ago. We have 55 more minutes to go. Dad, are we going to get food yet? We said, no, we're almost to McDonald's. Dad, do we have to watch what we eat? No, mom is not here. You can eat anything you want. (laughs) Dad, 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 dad. And you know what's interesting about that? Never once did they wait till our conversation was over to ask us questions. Never once did they say, oh, Father. Father who provides for us. Father who does everything for us. May you pause your conversation, Father, so we may ask you a question. Dad. That's what we get to do with the Father. Dad. Listen to me. Dad, I have this. Dad, I need this. Dad, I want this. Dad, Dad, Dad. And you know what? Every time our kids yelled out, Dad, we paused our conversation to listen to them because they were the most important thing. And that's what God does with you and I. When you cry out, Dad, because you're allowed to. That phrase, Abba, Father, that meant dad that meant papa this endearing language that you could use with god because he's not some father out there or some spirit out there he is as close to you as an own spirit or an own relational dad on this earth you can say dad to and there were times when the boys would ask us a question and we would have to say no they would ask us a question we would say just be patient <laughs> there's other times we'd say yes and that's what we get to do with the Father. We can go to him at all times because of what the Spirit has done for us. Sure, we're a part of the family, but some of us know to be in a family where you don't actually feel like it's family. Like they're blood relatives, but other than that, especially around the holidays, you want nothing to do with them, or maybe they don't want anything to do with you. But this is relational language saying not only are you in the family, God wants you to be a part of the family. He doesn't just love you, he likes you, and he wants to help answer, prayer for you, sometimes he's going to say no. And sometimes he's going to say you just have to be patient. And sometimes he's just going to say yes. He does all those things for your good because he loves you. You and I have a dad, a papa, a father in heaven who you can cry out to at any time and he will always stop what he's doing, so to speak, to pause and listen. You may not always respond. You may not always respond the way you want, but he is there. All you have to do is just cry out, Dad, Dad, and he will answer you. It's a message of freedom, freedom that you don't have to achieve some kind of status with God. You don't have to be insecure with God anymore. You don't have to worry if you've done enough to get to heaven someday because Jesus has done enough for you. And not only has he freed you, he welcomes you into the family. And not only are you in the family, he actually wants you to be in the family. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to call out to him. He wants you to interrupt him because he loves you that much. But there's even more. There's a fortune. I have some of your attention now. (laughs) There's a fortune that comes with knowing him. Paul, in verse 7, he puts it this way. Now, you are no longer a slave. You've been adopted, and now you're God's own child. And now, since you're his child, there's benefits. God has made you his heir. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but it's just slight change in Paul's language. Up until this point, he starts to use the plural, children. You are children of God. In verse 7, he changes it to the singular you are children, but you are also a child. You are an heir. This is personal. This God loves you so much. He doesn't just see all of us as his kids, but he sees you as his child. And I've said this before, but it's so true. If you have more than one child, you know this to be true. I didn't want to have more than one kid only because I didn't know how I could love more than one. And then two, then three, then four, and then I look at them and say, "I love all of them fully, but I also love them individually." And that's what the Lord has for you and I. But it's hard to believe that sometimes, because we're nothing special. We look at ourselves and're like, "Wow, oh, that me. How could this God love me?" We're reading a book right now as a weekend leadership team. We go through a chapter each week. It's by Steve Cuss. It's called Managing Leadership Anxiety. And in it, he kind of says that. He says, I have a lifelong struggle to experience God's love for me particularly. My default position is to experience it generically. Like I am number 24,601 generic human who's generically loved by God. Rather than Steve, beloved son of God. There is no just generic love. God did this through Jesus, for all of us. It's God did this through Jesus for all of us and for you. That you are now his child of God. And that changes everything. It changes your identity. I go back to my original story in the beginning when I said I felt just so badly about this message that I gave. And what is so frustrating to me is just like when you're at work and you walk away thinking that wasn't a great day, I have those days too. But I do, it shouldn't matter. If my identity was truly as a child of God, it wouldn't have matter how I felt about if I did a good job or not. I should walk off the stage every time. It doesn't matter what you think and it doesn't matter what I think. God is pleased with me because I am his child. Even if I didn't say a word, he would have been pleased with me because I am his child. You are his child. Your identity in him cannot be taken away. And a lot of times we base our lives on things that change, base our lives on things that can be taken away based on conditions. That's why all of us are so insecure all the time. But if we realize the security that we have is his child, that you will never be able to get that taken away because it's not based on you. It's based on what he's done for you. It doesn't matter what people think about you. It doesn't matter how you feel inside. It's based upon knowing that you are a child of God, loved by him, invited in as a unique member of his family. That changes everything. And not just that. You are also an heir. And an heir. You are legally bound to receive an inheritance from someone that you are an heir of. We get a fortune from God. And this fortune is better than anything money can buy because it includes forgiveness and freedom, a new identity, a new family, God's everlasting uh, presence, his promise of eternal life. All of these things that you get in the end and you get now as being a child of God. What a privilege. What an honor. What a message that encourages us, changes everything for us. It's called the good news, and rightly so. So here's my encouragement to you. As Jesus, after Jesus died and rose again, his friends, his disciples, they're scared, abandoned Jesus, so they go up to this upper room. And Jesus, he shows up. I love this scene, what happens in verse 20. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they realized it was Jesus. They were filled with joy, and they saw the Lord. If you know Jesus here, what a reminder of the freedom and the family and the fortune that you have. Hopefully, it fills you with joy, joy that should overflow into our lives, into other people's lives. And it's so interesting. As these disciples are so joyful to see Jesus, Jesus says, I'm glad you have joy, but don't keep it for yourself. Because right after that, he says, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. It's so good to have our own fortune, our own spot in the family, freedom. Everybody longs for that. Now we need to share it with them so they can discover what you have, that same joy that you have. Don't be selfish and just keep it for yourself. Share it with other people. We try to make it a little bit easier. As you leave today, we have these uh, bags right here. They're coffee bags. We tried to do this last year and then this whole like, big snowstorm came. So we're gonna try it again. I looked at the weather, 40s, let's go, sorry, no white Christmas, but for us, we're pumped. <laughs> but this year, you can take these coffee bags, it's the coffee that we serve here, which is uh, local, Storm Mountain Coffee, and it has the times of our services here. And if you do the hard work of inviting somebody, we'll partner with you and share Jesus with them on that, in that service. There has to be a family member, or a friend, or a coworker, or a neighbor or someone that you know needs to hear that message of freedom, family, fortune. And it's up to you to help invite them. And so when you leave, take one bag per family. If you don't wanna take one, totally fine. Please do not take it and use it for yourself. If you really need coffee that bad, I will provide you with a free bag, okay? But this is to invite people to come to our service. I don't know how you woke up this morning Maybe you didn't have joy, especially with the weather and everything going on. But joy, joy is not something based on circumstances. It's based on a status. What a message of good news, of freedom, family, and fortune. Let's pray together. Lord, so grateful for that. I need to hear that every single day, that you free me and welcome me in your family, and you have so much to give me, Lord. And I can be honest, sometimes I just want it for myself, or I'm scared about what other people will think. Lord, free me from that, because I'm your child now. That's my identity. It doesn't matter what people think. So Lord, help me, help us invite people to know you. That's what it's about, to have that relationship with you. And Lord, as we close our time, I do pray for those who are struggling during this time. May Blue Christmas be the healing that some of us truly and desperately need. In your name, amen. When you leave, one per family, and then sign up for Christmas Eve services too. Thank you so much.